This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today, we take a significant look at grain markets. We hear from Neil Townsend at Farm Lake Marketing Solutions, who talks about wheat in the first segment, and then he goes into canola and some of the specialty crops, the pulse crops, in the second segment. Real Agriculture talks about precision AI and the use of drones. We also have a chat with the provincial agrologist in Weyburn, Sherry Roberts, about how crops and harvest are progressing in the southeast corner. The farm weather's in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. A grain market analyst anticipates a rise in wheat prices in coming months despite a bigger crop this fall on the prairies. Neil Townsend with FarmLink Marketing Solutions feels there will be good export and price opportunities for high-quality Canadian wheat later this year. Although Ukraine is now shipping some grain, Townsend points out so far it's only been corn. So the, I, I really think the market seems to anticipate that the export corridor has a lot to do with wheat, but so far it hasn't had anything to do with wheat, so we'll have to watch that very carefully. And again, corn has probably a little bit of a higher value at the current moment just because of the situation in the EU where we have a you know significant drought and the corn crop is getting uh, really uh, decimated by dry and hot conditions. In terms of wheat, I mean, the market has obviously had its ups and downs. I mean, it you know, it's now trading at, at or below where it was prior to the war. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, one of the factors is is that there's a headline about, like, you know, a gigantic Russian crop. Uh, the Russians have not been able to export at a pace anywhere close to reach a target of, say, 40, 42 million tons of wheat exports. Keep in mind, they still have an export tax on, and they just raised that export tax today by 13%. So, you know, that's going to kind of, like, slow that down a bit. And there's, you know, there's enough customers offshore who are somewhat wary of dealing with Russia that, that's also going to slow them down a little bit. So in Canada, we're getting a bigger crop for wheat, and um, that's having some influence on sort of the spring wheat prices. But I think there's going to be some good opportunities that open up because, you know, one of the factors, even in Russia, but in other places as well, is that, the you know, the quality is kind of maybe not quite where it needs to be. And we're seeing some of the protein spreads and quality spreads start to show some signs of life. This past week, the price going for wheat at the farm gate in Saskatchewan was somewhere around that $400 a ton mark. Where do you see it heading as harvest gets into the later stages? Where will prices be this fall? Well, I think there's upside to prices. I think it. I think the wheat fundamentals are very strong. If you look at just the five exporters outside of the Black Sea, the five major exporters, Argentina, Australia, the EU, the U.S., and Canada, 
We're looking at uh, ending stocks for 22-23 that will be the tightest they've been since 2007-8. You know, and that was a period of time where we saw a considerable upside in wheat prices. So I think wheat prices are going to firm sort of because of their own fundamentals. The second thing I'd say is that there's a good chance that corn prices are also going to firm and start to head upwards, and that's going to support the wheat complex. Now, what is the sort of caveat to all of that? The caveat is just that, you know, we still have a world where there's a lot of economic uncertainty with the macroeconomics, a lot of question marks about inflation and those types of things and how much buying power customers have. And that'd be the second thing I'd say is that, you know, we haven't seen that urgency of demand for wheat that you might otherwise expect. All of the talk of like food crisis and, uh, you know, all of that stuff, it, it hasn't seemingly led to any more cargoes out of Canada to solve any of those problems. None of those problems have been solved. There doesn't seem to be a wherewithal to actually buy more wheat for the people who need it in sort of, you know, emergency situations around the world. And then the final thing I just say is that, you know, we have a great amount of uncertainty and volatility. And one of the markets that's sort of leading the way on that is China. China is still pursuing like a zero tolerance with COVID and you know, we need to see what their demand is going to be. And, you know, are they going to be a, a buyer of wheat? Are they going to be a buyer of spring wheat, which is pretty critical for Canada because that, that incremental wheat that can really help sustain the price for CWS. So a uh, price outlook for the fall? Well, I mean, I think if the price is $400 today, I think, you know, there's 10% upside, but not necessarily smooth ride and not necessarily going to come to fruition because of all the factors that are driving the market with uncertainty or volatility. But I'd be looking for sort of, you know, a $440 price. Neil Townsend is a senior market analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eaves troughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesTroughs.ca And your Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families. In Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. Grain market analyst Neil Townsend says there's a lot of market uncertainty, but he expects grain prices could rise 10% this fall. Townsend says the canola outlook depends on the huge Chinese market. Well, canola, I mean, China, China, China. Like, I mean, really... You know, we have to look very seriously at what's going on in China and see where their demand is. I think there's a plausible argument that they import, you know, two and a half million tons of canola. And there's a plausible argument that they end up importing four and a half million tons of canola. And, you know, that two million ton difference makes a huge difference. But the thing about canola now is I think people are sort of like looking at the Canadian situation. And again, this could change when we get to harvest and the actual result. But they kind of think, oh, a crop's coming. It's going to be in that. 20 million ton range. Some people have it a little lower. Some people have it a little higher. And then it quickly becomes sort of a demand story. Like how much offshore demand is there going to be for canola, right? And last year, you know, the prices were significantly higher and obviously higher prices end up sort of destroying some demand. And will the demand just like bounce back now that we have more of a supply or will it be sort of not out there? The other thing too with canola is just it's very tied into the broader macroeconomic circumstance because of sort of the biofuel component of canola, like with the with the oil. And uh, I would just say that you know we've seen a lot of topsy turvy markets there. Like last week we were up quite a bit, and then this week, uh, you know, ending on August fifth, we've had sort of a down week because macroeconomics have been a little bit shakier. Crude oil sold off and. There's been some changes in the palm oil policies in Indonesia that have sort of, you know, 
put some pressure on the market. In terms of a price outlook for canola, I mean, again, I, I think that, you know, the fate of the U.S. soybean crop is very important. I mean, the weather is probably being pretty neutral for it now, and but we're into critical weather right now. And I just say that, like, if the perception is, is that, you know, the U.S. soybean crop is going to be less than expected, then that will help canola. So there's probably a, you know, a, a potential for a 10% rally in canola, but I'd say there's probably an equal potential for a 5 or 10% sell-off. So it's really going to depend on the market perception, but we would be looking to, you know, add to sales if we saw a 5, 5% increase from the current prices. And finally, a thought on pulse crops and feed grains. Well, I mean, the pulse crops are, even if the individual pulse is not something that we actively trade to India, for example, yellow peas, we haven't really sent many of them to India in a while. I'd say the circumstances in India are going to be critical in determining the price outlook. What we know about India is that, you know, there's a gap between sort of what they're telling us their crop is and what the crop probably is. Behavior on the ground in India continues to show that there was a uh, negative consequence due to a, a big heat wave that they had in sort of April, which reduced their crops, including their wheat crop and probably some of their pulse crops and those kinds of things. And the prices in India have been showing strength and the policy in India has been showing some indication that there could be the potential for some exports down the line. So while the pulse marketing doesn't look great at the current moment, partly because Canada is going to have a large, larger crop than last year and the prices have shown some impact. There are some indications that patients may be rewarded and we may see some uptick in prices once India starts to op- open up a little bit more and maybe uh, import more. And I, I, I can't stress enough how important the Indian market is. Uh, you know, there was a report this week that the rice plantings were down. And I mean, this is one of those countries where, you know, food security and food affordability are very, very big issues. And the Indian government has probably not had the greatest agricultural policy going. They exported a bit of wheat, but now it looks like, you know, they're going to probably need to import wheat later in the year. The same may hold true for pulses where, you know, they're going to need to get some uh, coverage because there's a shortage or a tightness in the domestic market there. Neil Townsend is a market analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Brittany Warner here for realagriculture.com at Egg in Motion just outside of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I'm joined now by Daniel McCann. Daniel is the founder and CEO of Precision AI and is doing some really exciting things. Yeah, so so thank you. It's uh, Today we're introducing the world's first drone spot sprayer that uses artificial intelligence to be able to differentiate in real time between what's across 
crop and what's a weed. And as you're flying over the field, it will actually allow you to precision spray the weeds and only the weeds and save a lot of chemical over what uh, the traditional practice is, either a ground sprayer or even a drone sprayer today. Well, and so the talk to me a little bit about the benefits of having a drone over a traditional boom sprayer in the sense of, I mean, is it tank space? Is it multiple passes through the field? Is it all of the above? Um, does the drone have the ability to be more precise than we would with the boom? Yeah, that's correct. So, so boom sprayers are designed to be broadcast applications over your whole field, but only about 5% of the biomass of your field is ever weeds. So that means about 80% of what you spray in a traditional type of application is wasted. And so what the, uh, the drone spot sprayer can do is by identifying the crop and weed in crop and spraying only the weeds. So as it flies over the field, it will turn on the nozzles only when it sees a weed and nothing else. Uh, you can have a dramatic increase in precision and a, and a dramatic reduction in chemical over everything else. And the reason why drones are so interesting for this application is because a lot of the big ground sprayers, um, first of all, they're very expensive to put AI technology on them. You've got a 160-foot boom and you need cameras and computers everywhere on there, and that really scales the cost. Whereas with a drone, you can fly a drone over the whole field, so you don't have that cost. Um, the second benefit of using the drones uh, the, 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 is that uh, you can uh, get to areas that you can't get to with your ground sprayer. So let's say you've got low-lying areas, it's wet, you don't want to get your sprayer in there because it's muddy. Well, a drone, you don't have that problem at all. You're in the air. So it's completely non-destructive. You can spray and crop without damaging your yield. You can spray over wet areas. It's a, it's a game-changing way of doing it. And the last benefit is that you can just go a lot faster, right? Uh, once you're in the air, it's, it's like a crop duster on steroids um, with AI on it. So you can actually get your field done a lot faster than you can do it with your traditional ground spray. One question that automatically always pops into my mind with drone spraying is that tank size and that capacity. What are we looking at for what you guys are working on for that for that tank size? So the tank sizes are always going to be small, but that's also one of the benefits of the spot sprayer is because if you're using about 80% less chemical than you would normally use, that small tank goes a lot further. Um, and so that's what we believe is really the, way, the only way to scale drone spraying to broad acre is by using that type of intelligence that conserves the waste that exists with traditional type of spraying applications. So in our drone sprayer right now, it's a five gallon tank. Um, so it's still pretty small, but um, again, you're using a lot less chemicals. So that five, that five gallon tank will have the equivalent coverage of about a you know 80 gallon tank in a normal scenario. Are we expecting that farmers are still gonna do broadcast spraying with traditional boom sprayers and use something like a drone for more pinpointing those specific weeds and using those specific herbicides or is this looking to kind of replace the boom altogether? Well, you can never tell a grower how to use a tool, right? right. They're, they're going to use it however they see it used. And, but then, so, so the way we see this in the short term is it's probably a supplement to your operation to do things you can't do any other way. So as an example, you might do a, a residual application with your ground sprayer, but then you're, you might have resistance problems or you might have areas you couldn't spray because it was too wet or you might have topographical areas that you can't get your sprayer into. Those are ideal to have the drone come by after because you don't need to spray the whole field. You can fly up high, see the whole field and just only treat the areas that need to be treated. Um, so it's much, much, much more efficient for as a supplement to your existing sprayer. Um, long term, um, you know, looking well into the future, once this technology gets really, really mature, um, you could swarm a whole field of drones um, and get that done at about five times the speed of your ground sprayer. So we actually see this eventually replacing the sprayer, but not for a long time. Well, you made a bold statement at the Egg Tech breakfast saying that AI in farming would be as dramatic as moving from horse to tractor. And I assume this is where that comes into play. Yeah, so right now, um, you know, we make 
we make decisions at field scales, um, but machines, right, computer vision and AI are actually capable of, of looking at every single plant in the field and, and optimizing your farm at a micro level, right, down to the per plant. So it's the migration from per field level decisions to per plant level decisions. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Sunny today, wind southwest 30, gusting to 50 this afternoon. The high 33 degrees, the low 11. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, wind northwest 30, gusting to 50. The high 25 on Tuesday, the low 10. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high 24, the low 14. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high 28, the low 16. Friday, sunny, the high 31, the low 15. Saturday, sunny, the high 29, the low 15. Sunday, sunny, the high near 29 degrees. Normal high is 26, the normal low is 10. The sun rose at 536. This morning it sets at 832 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Cornac in the south country at 34 degrees. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids at 16. Estevan is 29 that's 28, Saskatoon is 27, Swift Current 32, Weyburn 29, Yorkton is 27. In Regina with sunny skies, it's 27 degrees, that's 81 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the south at 15. Humidity is 47%, the barometric pressure dropping 101.2. Sunny in Moose Jaw, 31 degrees, winds are from the south, southwest at 9. Once again, Regina, sunny in 27, that's 81 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada. Before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils, maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. Crops are ripening quickly with harvest about to start in southeast Saskatchewan. The Provincial Crops Extension Specialist in Weyburn, Sherry Roberts, says a few crops are ready for harvest this week. There's guys out now doing a lot of silaging, you know, of their of their cereals and, and stuff like that. But I haven't seen any combines rolling yet, although there's some rye fields that are awful, awful close. And they could have they could have went under the combine over the weekend. I I don't know. I saw them last week and they looked like they were at that point where they could be combined. But yeah. otherwise, around Weyburn here, I'm not seeing anybody yet. How do crops look right now? Oh, uh, yield-wise, we're looking at bumper crops down here. Those folks that were able to get them in the field, however, we are right now just starting an explosion of cereal diseases that are 
could be really scary for those producers that weren't proactive and got some fungicide applications down because I'm starting to find, at least in my neck of the woods at Glen Avon, there's some fusarium that's rearing its ugly head. There's loose smut. There's a lot of other uh, net blotch and, and tan spot and a lot of the cereal leaf diseases that are hitting and they've worked their way up to the flag leaf now. So unless farmers have been proactive and done some fungicide applications, there will be some yield losses going to happen because of that. And we're also seeing in my neck of the woods a lot of aphids over the weekend. I ran across aphids on canary seed to way above the limits. There's aphids in the barley in my neck of the woods. Just, just the insects are, are just going crazy on us, Jim. So was this all because of the wet year or partly because of the excess moisture we've had at times? Well, it's just been a perfect storm down here between the, the moisture that we've had almost on a weekly basis and then on the fact of the high humidity. You know, a lot of these things like aphids, they just love that humid, wet conditions and so do the cereal diseases. So we've had a perfect storm environment down here. And even last year, you know, we worked that dry, we had quite a bit of moisture. So some of the cereal diseases had started. And then with the tight rotation, some of these producers are doing, it's now come back to really bite them because that inoculum is sitting there in the residue. And we got up with the conditions this year with almost weekly rains down here. And it's a perfect storm that's starting to explode. Much problem with hail and insects? Three weeks ago, we had a heck of a hailstorm come through at southwest of, of Radville and started at Hardy and it came down through the Radville area. It wiped out total fields. I've never seen anything like it before. It looked like the combine had come through the field, Jim. It was just, I was just stunned. I, I had to get out and take a bunch of pictures. I mean, it was just something I had never seen before. And, and I, I'm hoping that it, it was such a wide swath too. I mean, I've seen where you have hail come through and hit a, a field or two, but this went on for miles and there was grain bins that were tossed and other things that were debris that were in the field. So those, those folks down there really got, really got hit. How late is the crop? Like, when do you expect harvest to be general in the southeast? Oh, I would say in the southeast, it's going to be more extended harvest. I mean, some of these guys, they're probably going to start next week on a lot of the fields. They're starting to really turn. But because of the fact that, I mean, we've got wheat that's now just starting to head along with barley that's just starting to head. Now, whether that was planted for a a forage, I'm not sure. But we also have stuff that's all starting to turn golden on us. So it's going to be, I think, a long extended harvest, depending on when they were able to get their crops in the ground. And hopefully that will start staying dry here so they can actually get some hay up, too. That's the other big thing. Guys have really been struggling to get their hay put up now because it's like I said, we've been getting rains every week down here, and it's, it's making it tough. How some of the specialty crops, corn, the flax, the soybeans look? Oh, we have got some absolutely gorgeous flax fields down there. You get the blue of that flax starting to bloom against that yellow, the canola down here. It's just gorgeous. And it looks like the disease so far at this point hasn't really hit the flax. But we're going to have some really, really nice flax yields down here. I saw some really nice corn fields down in the Oxbow Carndorf area last week. They were shoulder high, and I'm 5'9", so they were pretty good height and really starting to look really good. And there's some other shorter corn fields, you know, they're maybe maybe only three, four feet. 
but they, it all depends what they're growing it for. But we have some really nice ones out there, and I have seen quite a few soybean fields that are looking really, really nice, too. And they've gotten the moisture when they needed it in July, so now they're going to start doing some pod formation here coming up in August. And I'm looking forward to my soybean surveys. I think they're going to be really, really fun and enjoyable this year. Sherry Roberts is the Provincial Crops Extension Specialist in Wave. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com The federal government is providing up to $3 million to three national organizations to enhance animal welfare. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Babot says the organizations will draw on new research to update industry standards for the care and handling of animals and evaluate technology to trace farm animals in the production system in the event of a disease outbreak. The recipients include the Calgary-based Canadian Cattle Identification Agency. The agency will receive up to $52,000 to evaluate the use of ultra-high-frequency scanners to read cattle ID tags to quickly trace animals in case of a disease outbreak. Animal Health Canada will receive up to $2.9 million. It's to update national codes of practice for the livestock sector, including the safe and humane transportation of livestock. The Canadian Poultry and Egg Processors Council will receive up to $36,000 to update its animal welfare program for hatcheries. The first of the ships to leave Ukraine under a deal to unblock grain supplies amid the threat of a global food crisis arrived at its final destination in Turkey. The Turkey-flagged Polarnet docked at Derinse port in the Gulf of Izmut today after setting off from Chernomesk on August the 5th, laden with 12,000 tons of corn. The first ship to depart Ukraine, the Sierra Leone-flagged Razoni, which left on August 1st, still hasn't reached its destination in Lebanon and was anchored off Turkey's southern coast last night, according to the Marine Traffic website. Saskatoon-based fertilizer giant Nutrien Limited has named Ken Seitz president and CEO following a months-long global talent search. The company says Seitz, who has served as interim CEO since January, and previously headed up its potash operation, brings 25 years of experience in agriculture and mining to the role. Nutrient says it has achieved record results under Sites' leadership amid sweeping changes in agricultural markets and unprecedented global food security challenges. Russ Gerling, chairman of Nutrient's board of directors, says the company's record performance during some of the most turbulent times in the sector underscore the strength of Sites' leadership. Seitz, who grew up on a dairy farm in Saskatchewan, says he's honored and humbled to work alongside farmers during challenging times. He says Nutrien is well positioned to help meet the global goals of food security and climate action. Agriculture Canada says it's making progress in battling blackleg disease in canola. The fungal disease is a serious threat for canola, which generates about one quarter of all farm crop receipts in Canada. A team of Saskatoon-based scientists at the Agriculture Canada Research Station have achieved a major milestone in the battle against blackleg. Led by Dr. Zheng Kuang Yu, the researchers have completed the first large-scale resequencing of the blackleg pathogen in the world. They've used this process to get a much clearer picture of Canada's unique strains than ever before. Armed with this knowledge, 
Researchers can develop modern disease-resistant varieties. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Freeze Tom and Lumber. Go from backyard blah to backyard beautiful with landscaping products from Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. And Sask Pork, perfect pork, our passion, our promise. Learn more at saskpork.com. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola fell $4 at $794.62. Number one red spring wheat went up 53 cents at $372.61. The rest were unchanged. Durham, $408.62. Feed barley, $280.287. Chickpeas, $925.95. Flax, $742.67. Lentils, $731.50. Oats, two ninety six fifty three, yellow peas four forty six seventy one, and feed wheat two ninety nine fifty six. At Minneapolis, September spring wheat rose three and a half cents at eight ninety a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn eight four two forty five seventy four. Now the latest quotes. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee bringing the market report direct from Heartland and Swiftcard. We had 450 cattle on offer last week, mainly cows and bulls. Here are the quotation. Good cows were $1.10 to $1.17, averaging $1.10. Bulls were bringing 125 to 140. Light and fat bulls were 85 to $1.10. Hefferets were $1.15 to $1.35. Big heifers, 12 to 1,300 pounds, were bringing 135 to 155. Good day and good marketing. And today's Saskatchewan pork prices, $270.45 per CKG. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. And brought to you by Mandaco. Talk to your Mandaco dealer or visit mandaco.com to learn more about Mandaco land rollers and tillage equipment. Synovus Energy has reached a deal with British energy giant BP to buy the remaining 50% stake in the BP Husky Toledo refinery for $300 million. The Calgary-based oil producer has owned the other 50% of the Ohio-based refinery since its combination with Husky Energy in 2021. Synovus says the U.S. operating business will take over operations when the transaction closes, which is expected to happen before the end of the year. It says the transaction will give Synovus an additional 80,000 barrels per day of downstream throughput capacity, including 45,000 barrels per day of heavy oil refining capacity. The deal brings Synovus's total refining capacity to 740,000 barrels per day. In the months after the pandemic hit, many people with corporate jobs took a fresh look at what they were doing to make a living. Some left their jobs and looked for alternatives, including opening up a franchise with an established brand. The quasi-preneurs opening franchises say they like the ability to buy into a proven brand name and the access to tools and operations that you wouldn't get if you started your own small business. But they realize that franchising has plenty of challenges too. There are lots of rules and regulations to abide by and lengthy contracts, which can be difficult to get out of. 
On the markets today, the TSX is up 88 points to 19,709. The Dow has gained 54 points to 32,857. Oil has risen $1.03 to $90.04 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 77.80 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.